You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Exodus chapter 20, glad that you're here tonight. I love the midweek service. I, I look forward to it, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord will do in uh, in, in the next series that I'm thinking about. I've got a couple ideas and things written down for the series after this, which will end this series in the middle of, of March. And then start. we have a spring break week there, and then we'll do another. We'll start right after that with another series. And uh, I've got a couple things I'm kicking around, but I'm very excited about whatever direction the Lord takes us. I've really enjoyed this, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. Couples, let's get signed up for couples conference tonight, please. Even if only one of you can come. We don't care. We just want you there. Okay, now, we want you to be there for the couples conference. It's a week from Friday, and you'll be blessed. Two services the first night with food in the middle there, and, or food at the beginning, and then the next morning, two services and or sessions, and you will be greatly blessed that you did. And then I'll just put this plug in there. I looked at the cards today in the, in the question box out here, and I got a couple good questions in there, which makes me excited. And uh, so if you have a question that you would like to have the pastor answer, then this Sunday at 4 p.m. we'll have our question and answer time. And so, but uh, get, do me a favor, give me a little heads up if you would, and maybe write down a question and put it in there, and we'll cover that. Exodus chapter 20. Who needs to fill in the blank sheet? Fill in the blank sheet tonight. Who needs one of those? Anybody? Oh man, look at us. We are on the ball. All right, good. Exodus chapter 20. We're going through the Ten Commandments, the foundations of morality and uh, cultures without. Uh, uh, even governments still have rules like we see in the Ten Commandments. You know, there are tribes that have been unreached and, and that have been out there, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and yet they know that adultery is wrong. <laughs> they know that stealing is wrong because God has written the law in our hearts. And then God wrote it on tables and gave it, and here we have it uh, in some commandment form here. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, the, we've talked about it before, the atheists... Folks that don't believe in God, they have nothing to base their morality on. And uh, we do. We have the word of God. We have God's standard. Exodus 20, verse number 14, looking at the seventh commandment tonight. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I do think it's interesting that thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not commit adultery are side by side. Uh, you know, because uh, maybe after someone commits adultery, they want to be killed by their spouse. But I'm not sure what the order was there. If, the, if God, I'm sure God intended it for a different reason than that. But that's what we're looking at tonight. And uh, let's pray together. And this, this lesson may go a different way than you think it will. But I hope it'll be a blessing tonight. Father, bless, we pray, uh, with your great, wonderful blessings from on high. Holy Spirit, would you meet with us tonight? Explain your word to us. And then, not only do that, Holy Spirit, but would you apply it to our hearts and lives? Every one of us in this room tonight need to take heed to a message like this, and uh, unless we be the ones falling. So, God, would you give us some wisdom tonight, and then, again, Lord, help us to look at the man or the woman in the mirror and see what we need from this message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The first thing I want you to know is that God takes this sin seriously. Of course, God takes all sin seriously, but think about the Old Testament for a little bit, the sin of adultery there. Uh, it was a capital offense. 
in, uh, when, when the children of Israel were wandering. In, in the book of Leviticus 20.10, it says, And a man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. Wow. Deuteronomy 22.22, If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman. So shalt thou put away evil from Israel. And they say, was that what's supposed to happen today? No, I don't believe it's supposed to happen today. That was for a very specific time. But just noting that, that God still takes this sin very seriously. Now, y'all better give some amens tonight, or I'm going to think you're guilty of this sin, all right? So I better hear some amens from the peanut gallery this evening. It is condemned also in the New Testament. It's not just an Old Testament thing. No, in the book of Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable and all the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Galatians 5.19 talks about how the works of the flesh are manifest or made known, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Now, without getting into too much detail, I think we understand the difference between adultery and fornication. We're talking of fornication in the Bible. Usually the Greek word there is pornea, of course, where we get the term pornography from. But it's referring to a category of sexual sin. Uh, in our terminology, it refers to, uh, uh, you know... Uh, uh, relation, intimacy before marriage, and we understand that, and certainly that is applied in the Bible. But adultery is married people and, uh, and uh, extramarital affairs and things of that nature. I think we understand what adultery is. We don't need to have a definition of it tonight, I don't think anyway. But we see that it's not just an Old Testament thing, it's a New Testament thing. Write this in. We see marriage is sacred. Marriage is a sacred union. And a commitment. And you know, there are people nowadays, my wife was just telling me, as we were talking about this message today, and uh, she was telling me that there are people today that when they make their marriage vows now, that instead of saying, till death do us part, they say, until our love, what is it? Till our love runs out, or till our love wanes, until our love. In other words, it's like, whenever I stop loving you, then I'll divorce you. And of course, we understand, well, well how long is that going to take? Because love is a feeling, and a, not a feeling, it's a choice. It's a sacred union. It's a commitment that you're making. And, and, and let me just say this. When we're talking about a message on adultery, especially when we get to the New Testament here in a minute, this is not just a message for the men in the room tonight. Okay? It's, it's not just a message for the men. We see uh, uh, men and women that are uh, breaking this commandment. And so we need to look at this. I want you to take your Bible to Matthew 5. This has been our... our uh, our pattern the past few weeks is to go look at the Old Testament scripture and then go to the New Testament where Jesus speaks about the same command and kind of takes it up a notch. So you have heard how it hath been said that you, you know, don't, uh, don't kill your neighbor, right? Don't commit murder. But then he said, but I say unto you, don't even be angry. Don't even be angry. So he is taking these Ten Commandments, these commands of the Old Testament, and, he is, and he's saying, look, my commandment, it goes beyond just your outward obedience. My commands are aimed at your heart. For it's out of the heart these things are coming and these things are happening. I want you to see here Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, yeah, we just read that, the Old Testament. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust or desire after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So well, how is that the case? Remember last week we looked at murder. It's in other words, that desire comes to fruition if you are allowed to do it. 
That's what you would do if you were allowed to do that, or if if the restraints were taken off. The the thought there of adultery, the thought of of anger in your heart, it ends in this sin. And if it takes its natural progression, that's where it goes. And uh, so he's saying, not even in your heart do these things. So I want you to see, first of all, a dangerous progression. First of all, adultery starts with the eyes. So many times in the Old Testament, you find someone committed a sin after they saw something. Remember Achan? Achan saw the Babylonian garment. And then he coveted and took it. David saw Bathsheba from the rooftop. Samson saw the Philistine woman and wanted her. Eve saw the fruit, the tree, the, the, uh, uh, the tree and the fruit was good for whatever. You know, I can't quote that verse right now. But uh, she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, that it was good to eat. And she coveted it. She wanted it. So the eyes start. We know in the Bible that we are drawn away of our own lust and enticed. So uh, adultery starts with the eyes. The garbage that's on TV is not helping you stay pure. The garbage that's on TV and on your cell phone is not helping you stay pure. Uh, There's so much of it. The commercials are, are horrible nowadays. Even commercials are so wicked and vile. And so we've got to be so careful. And this is not just, by the way, talking about the eyes is not just a man thing. Although that is the greatest struggle of a man's life. And ladies, I know there are things about this you will never understand. And you're like, no, I get it. No, you don't, okay? And then can I say, ladies, there's things about you that men will never understand. Mainly everything, all right? We just are not going to understand anything. But, and, and, you know, and you can say things like, hey, us ladies understand stuff about being ladies that men will never get. And we're like, amen. There's plenty of those things, but it's vice versa too. And you may not understand this, but this is the biggest struggle of a man's life. It is, it is the, the, the devil throwing things at men's eyes 24-7. 24-7. And uh, that's how it is. And men, it's okay to amen if we're talking about this, okay? You're with me on this. I know you are. But ladies reading romance novels. You're, you're reading Fifty Shades of Grey. You're reading these Harlequin novels. You don't think that's wrong? Well, I'm a lady, it doesn't affect me. <laughs> Sin doesn't choose who it affects. You're watching these Netflix shows with the nude scenes and the, all these other things, and that's wrong too. Do we not see that this is what starts everything? It starts with the eyes. Ver, uh, number two, the eyes move the heart. The eyes move the heart. It says here that when you're looking upon someone else, desiring them in that sexual way, you are committing adultery in your heart. So the eyes moved the heart. It's in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7-8, that the Bible talks about Lot, and how Lot vexed his righteous soul day by day in seeing and hearing what the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were doing. And I mean, you think Las Vegas is bad, just imagine Sodom and Gomorrah. All right, there, there is some sinful things that Lot saw every day, and it vexed his righteous soul. In Lamentations 3.51, mine eye affecteth my heart, for good or bad, it does. The eyes move the heart, but three, the heart moves the body. So it starts with your eyes, it affects your heart, and then out of the heart proceedeth forth evil communica- uh, fornications and adulteries, and that's where it's coming from. But, but you see, here's the thing, if you stop it at the eye gate, then you have won the victory already. If you'll stop it there before it gets to your mind and heart. 
And, you know, we talk about people falling into sin. Nobody falls into sin suddenly. We talked about this with our men in our, in our last split Sunday school. There's usually a long, slow process that could have been stopped if someone would have just woken up and stopped. You know, that is something gets people to the point of adultery. Wandering eyes, wicked imaginations, their heart becoming attached to somebody else. That all happens. And it's a dangerous progression. So you better stop it, even getting into your eyes. You know what most of my job as a parent has been? Stopping things from getting to my kids' eyes. Stopping things from getting their ears. There's a lot more than that, I understand. But that's what we're doing so often. I'm a gatekeeper trying to keep the evil out of my home and out of my life. Dangerous progression here. Let me just quickly give you three types of adultery. Three types of adultery. First of all, there's spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery. In Ezekiel 23, now there's other passages that talk about this. I won't belabor this. But it says that they have committed adultery and blood is in their hands. With their idols have they committed adultery and have also caused their sons whom they bear to me to pass for them through the fire to devour them. Would you write this next blank in there? Idolatry is spiritual adultery. Idolatry. Why? You know, when, when Israel would leave their marriage to Christ, they would leave that to go serve other gods. God said that's adultery. It's adultery. They were being unfaithful to their God. They're choosing another God over their God. And the same holds true for us today. <clears throat> when we make anything God over our God, we've, we, we're committing idolatry and we're committing spiritual adultery. And that's something God takes seriously, right? Who wouldn't take adultery seriously? So idolatry is something, hey, as Christians, we got to be careful that nothing is taking the place of God in our life. Nothing is above God. God first, God only, God all the way. That's it. The second form of adultery, of course, physical adultery. David and Bathsheba, two guilty people committing adultery while the husband is out at war. You know, and, and it's seen in other passages of Scripture as well. And look, we don't need Bill Clinton to define what is, is. Some of you are old enough to remember that. Uh, we don't need the definition. We understand that any sexual contact outside of your marriage is wrong. Amen. So we have spiritual adultery. There's the physical adultery. But I want you to write this thing because I want to hit on this for a minute. Emotional adultery. So, whoa, pastor, what are you talking about? I want to talk about this for a minute emotional adultery. And, and I will say this, every one of us need to be careful about this, but ladies, I think in particular, this, this could be of the area here that we're talking about, this could be where you're most vulnerable, is, is this area. And men are, are, are vulnerable to this too. I'm talking about forming a close connection with someone other than your spouse. Form, forming a close connection, you know, where you, you've got inside jokes with this person of the opposite gender. You, you know each other's favorites. You open up to the person, whether it be about your marriage, your kids, your fears, your dreams, anything else. And I'm not talking about a friendship you have with somebody of the same gender. I'm referring to a special, even sometimes exclusive relationship with someone of the opposite gender. You know, in our world today, it's common for people to say stupid things like, this is my work wife, this is my work husband, and maybe I shouldn't use the word stupid, but it is. Why, why would we even think that way? 
Now, I know that this is not the exact same situation. I understand what I'm about to say about the Bible is not the same exact situation. But would you think of Jacob and Leah for a minute? Jacob wants Rachel. He doesn't want Leah, but he's married to Leah. How did Leah feel about that? Well, if you read the Bible, you know she had a lot of insecurity about that. She started naming her kids, now he'll love me, and things like that. And you think about when a a, a spouse has someone else that they'd rather be with, or someone else that they're more connected to now, what does that leave the spouse feeling like? And there's there's an emotional attachment there. Look, write this in. Just because something isn't physical, that doesn't mean it isn't damaging your marriage. Just because it hasn't turned physical yet, that doesn't mean it's not damaging your marriage. There, There is a pastor's wife that we highly, highly respect, my wife and I. In fact, they have been here to our church in years past, and they have told this story publicly. I'm not going to say their name, even though they told it publicly. That when they were first getting started at a church, the husband was working like 80-hour weeks at the church just to get it going. He was counseling and all that stuff. And so the wife would take the young kid that she had to the park. And so she'd go to the park every day. And lo and behold, eventually uh, another man would show up with his kid. And so they would just talk and just, you know, every, hey, hey, how you doing? But then after a while, they'd see each other every day at the park or every couple of days at the park. And they would have conversations. And now they're starting conversations at the park. And, you know, they're, they're watching their kids, but now they're, they're talking. And the lady had, you know, she would say she had no ill intentions at all. And I believe that. And so it kept progressing, kept progressing, to where now they're looking forward to seeing each other at the park. Red flags, right? And so now they're talking more, and the husband's not aware of this. He's working, he's thinking she's going to the park with the kid. But she's there talking with this other married man. One day, she leaves, he gets in his car, she gets in her car, she goes home, he follows her to the house and tries to come inside. And it was at that point, thankfully, that the woman woke up, realized what is going on, and said, get out, no, you're not coming in. No, immediately called her husband, saved a ministry, saved a family, and thankfully woke up. That was dangerous. What's an emotional affair? If you look this up, and I did, there's some websites you can look up if you want, but uh, this is a thing. A non-sexual relationship involving a similar level of emotional intimacy and bonding as a romantic relationship. And so you form a connection with somebody else, and now, man, they just, you ever hear people say this when they leave their spouse? Well, they just get me. We just click. And they say these things and it, 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 as an excuse of why they left their spouse. Signs, here's some signs, and I got these online, but from my experience and what I've seen, I think these are spot on, all right? So well, let's just talk about it for a second. Signs of an emotional affair beginning, frequent contact. Now we're seeing each other every day. Now we're eating lunch together, whatever it may be. Frequent sharing. We're talking about things, sharing ideas, fears, dreams. Communication builds relationships. The more you're communicating with someone that's not your spouse, and I'm not saying never talk to anyone, but when you're opening up your heart to someone, you are going to feel closer to that person. Constant thoughts. Now, 
You're thinking about this person frequently. You feel understood by that person. They get me. (laughs) You know, they understand my frustration. They're willing to listen about my marriage woes or about my kids or about uh, my back or about whatever. Inappropriate sharing and then it gets personal. Unfair comparisons. You begin looking at that person and then comparing them to your spouse. Unfair. Spending more time together. And then here's a big one. Secrecy. Boy, secrecy ruins things. Secrecy is such a big issue. Now you've got your own email account that your spouse doesn't know about. Now you've got the credit card that your spouse doesn't know about. Now you've got this phone number on your phone that your spouse doesn't know about. Now you're DMing somebody on Instagram that your spouse doesn't know about. And there's a secrecy. And boy, the secrecy sure adds some excitement. But you're headed for destruction. And then it talks, you know, less time for your spouse. Now you're so consumed with this other relationship that you don't have time for your spouse anymore. Look, if you're here tonight, and maybe you've not done anything physical with anybody else, but you're trying to justify a relationship in your mind right now, can I just say, wake up? Wake up before you fall right off the cliff. There are warning lights going off. If you can check these and say, hey, that's somebody I know. That's my friend's husband. That's my friend's wife. That's my co-worker. And you've got some of these. You better hear the pastoral strobe light warning sign flashing. And stop it. Stop it now. Before you end up in the divorce court. Before you end up destroying a relationship. That's emotional. And there is certainly, we see that. And oftentimes it starts here and it leads to the physical. It leads there. Be so careful. Be so careful. Can I give you some preventative things tonight? Number one, for those of you married, stay close to your spouse. Stay close to your spouse. Work on it. Say, how? How about you go to the couples conference? That's a good thing to do. Oh, we don't need it. Really? I'd say you do. <laughs> I think we all need it. It takes work to plan date nights, especially if you've got kids. It takes work uh, uh, to, to, uh, to spend time in the evenings together sometimes when you're falling asleep at 8 o'clock. You know, and you got all your energy runs out right when the kids go to bed. You know, so uh, I'm saying you, you have to put effort into it to stay close with your spouse. Every relationship takes work. Every relationship takes work. So why would you think that marriage is just going to be, you know, uh, you know running through the, the field of flowers every day of your life? You know, it, it takes work. We're going to skip, you know, to some beautiful song every day. And in the rain, we'll, we'll spin each other in the rain. No, that's not what it is sometimes. Sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes it's you holding your wife's hair as she throws up in the spaghetti factory parking lot. Not, not, you know, not saying that happened. But just as a, for instance, sometimes it's, it's you can't even taking that because you see that and now you're, you know, and you're running to the, to the car to get the, to get the paper towels out of the back of your Jeep Cherokee that you used to have that you don't have anymore. You know, just every, that's happened to every one of us, you know, and uh, so we can all relate to that. Sometimes it's throwing your back out when you're giving your son a bath when he's a kid and your wife having to drag you in the living room. It's not always pretty. Say, did that happen? 
Yes, my poor wife, I was like on her back and she's like, you know, like a mountain climber coming down the hallway, dumping me on the floor. I stayed there for like three, I missed church. This was years ago, right before COVID. I preached a message, what I learned from the floor. I don't know if you remember that one, but what am I saying? I'm saying marriage isn't always pretty, but you make a commitment and you stay. And you work on it. So my marriage isn't working. That's because you're not working on it. You can't let it, expect a car to run forever without maintenance. Why don't you put some work in? Amen, Pastor. Good. Number two, be accountable to one another. Husbands, be accountable to your wife. Wife, be accountable to your husband. Parents, hold your kids accountable. There should be transparency. Transparency. If you're struggling with something, you should be able to tell your spouse. But I'll tell you this, men, if you're, I'll help the ladies here tonight. If, you're, if men are struggling with something and they tell you and you're going to bite their head off every time, they're going to stop telling you. And that's not good. And men, if your wife is telling you something they're struggling with and you just got to fix the problem, fix the problem. Here's what you got to do. Ten steps. They're not going to keep telling you. You better listen. Transparency is important. Transparency with your cell phone. Transparency with your email accounts. Transparency with your internet usage. Transparency with the rented movies you have or the, uh, or the electronics on your TV. Transparency is good. My kids will be on a tablet or something. I'll walk up. Yoink. Excuse me. And I'm just going through. Right in front of them. I want them to know dad sees everything. I want them to know. We're going to be transparent. Number three, consider the consequences. You want to prevent this disaster that, that hurts families and destroys relationships? Consider the consequences. Somebody, I don't know who said it, it's better to sleep on what you plan to do than to be kept awake by what you've done. You better think on it. God can forgive you. Absolutely. You say, Pastor, I've made mistakes in my past. I'm not here to beat you up tonight. But I think you would tell everybody else, don't do it the way I did it. (laughs) Don't do it the way I did it. But God forgives. Yes, absolutely. Ask David. David was still used by God in a mighty way, even after a terrible sin. But that doesn't mean the consequences go away. Read Psalm 51. Read Psalm uh, 2 Samuel 12. You'll see that there were consequences. Proverbs 6, 32-33. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. Boy, you didn't think through it, in other words. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. There is just a special category when it comes to sexual sin. It is just a special category. You know, people can murder and come back, you know, and go to prison for drug possession or whatever, and come back and be welcomed more than people that commit these type of sins. It's just there's a stigma to it. And even the Bible talks about it. So uh, his reproach shall not be wiped away. So just be careful with that. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that your testimony is ruined for the rest of your life. No, God, we just saying grace greater than all our sin. Not part of our sin, not most of our sin. Grace greater than all our sin. And every person in here tonight is guilty of sin. Every person in here tonight has probably uh, uh, committed adultery by looking at something they should not look at or desiring something they should not desire. Probably everybody has in this room. So let's not be super judgmental of others. Let's look at the mirror and say, oh, God, help me. 
God, deliver me. I'm going to consider the consequences. I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to stay close to my spouse. And then lastly, look, if you would, at Matthew 5 again, where we're at. It says in verse 29, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. And cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Is is Jesus literally wanting you to maim your body? No. The thought is this. Take extreme measures. Take extreme measures not to fall into this type of sin. Whatever you think of Mike Pence, our former vice president, I like the fact that he was an outspoken Christian. And I read about Mike Pence that he was being mocked and criticized. Well, he was being mocked and criticized about every week of his life. But on the news, people were mocking and criticizing him because he refused to ride alone in cars with women that are not his wife. He refused to eat lunch or dinner, going out and meeting with someone that was, not, that was a woman that was not his spouse. And people mocked him and criticized him for that. And I think, well, if he would have had an affair, they would have sure hated that a lot more. But the man had principles. He was taking some measures to protect his testimony. You know where he learned that? Billy Graham. Billy Graham was the one that started doing that, where he said, I won't ride alone in a car with a lady. I won't be in an elevator alone with a lady. I won't be alone in a room with a lady. And you know what? Of all the famous Pastors that have ever been on television, can you think of another one besides Billy Graham that ended his life with no stigma, no accusation, and no stain on his testimony? I wonder why. Maybe it's because he was willing to take some extreme measures. Don't be afraid to take some extreme measures to protect your purity. And I'll just say this last thing here. God has given you a great warning system about others in your spouse. And whether you're man or, 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 or woman, whether you're just dating or you're engaged, you're married, whatever it is, if your spouse says, I got red flags about that person, you better listen. Listen to that. They're just paranoid. There's nothing... You better listen. Because God, women have an intuition that we don't have, men. And they say, I don't like the way she looks at you. You better be like, okay, well, you know, I'll, what do you want me to do? And then men, we have a little bit of a tendency to be able to spot a wolf. And so ladies, you better listen to your spouse. I don't like that guy. That guy's got something in for you, and I'm going to have to murder him. I'm going to commit the sin right before adultery so that you don't go to the adultery, okay? I'll commit. You better listen to that. You better listen. Are we guarding what's coming into our eyes? In 2024, boy, that's hard to do. But let's guard it. Is there someone that you are too close to and you need to back away from? And then lastly, what measures can you take to protect your marriage? Young people, I hope you're listening to a message like this. And when you're getting into a relationship, you're thinking about this type of stuff. You're like, hey, I, I, when I'm entering a relationship, I'm in it for the long haul. And I want to be careful with what I do.